Welcome to the Librarian Influencers Podcast. Each week, our host, Dr. Laura Shinneman, dives deep into school library topics to help you build your skills and take charge of your own professional development. Her mission is to create an environment where librarians flourish and become lifelong learners. Now, on to today's podcast. Today's podcast is a little bit different from the norm. I'm going to be using a recording from an author interview that I was able to do last week. Very exciting time, very interesting speakers. Um, So sit back and relax and, and take a listen to the editor and the authors from Living Beyond Borders. I just want to thank all of y'all so very much for joining me today. And um, think for those who are watching me on, um, on Facebook right now, I am Lauren Shinneman and I am um, from the Librarian Influencers. It's a blog and a podcast. It's a really fun way that I get to interact with librarians and stay connected to them um, through just through different avenues. And I've really enjoyed um, doing that for the last three years. And Margie is just somebody that I've come to know and love for many, many years now. Um, so awesome to, to have her as part of my professional life. And I just was so, so excited um, when she introduced the idea that she was going to be editing a book. And we were all like, what? <laughs> but um, Margie, if you would, uh, would you go ahead and I'll let you introduce yourself and the authors that, that you brought along with you today. Hi, I'm Margie Longoria. I am the editor of Living Beyond Borders, Growing Up Mexican in America. Um, it came out last month. No, yeah, no, August. August 17th. It's almost two months old. I can't believe it. Ooh. It's almost two months old. It's still a baby, but it's out in the world. And um, <laughs> I'm the, I want to introduce um, David Bowles, Yay. an award-winning writer and educator, and Daniel Garcia Ordaz. He's a poet and educator. Javier Garza, who is also a award-winning writer and educator, Ruben Degollado, who's a writer and educator, <laughs> and Guadalupe Garcia McCall, who's also an award-winning writer and educator. And so I wanted to bring together this group of um, educators who are contributors to this um, anthology. That way um, we could you know, talk about the importance of diverse literature and stuff like that in school yeah. and libraries. Yes, and then for yourself, you are a school librarian in Mission CISD. Yeah, just so that our audience will recognize that, and and just you know, I think librarians have this secret wish that they all want to publish a book one day, and, and you've actually yeah. done it. And <laughs> so, I did. <laughs> that's exciting for you. Um, but Margie, let's talk a little bit about just how this got started, because I I know that you just had kind of a a wish. I mean, you saw things going on um, around you, and you just wanted to be. You wanted to do something about it. So talk a little bit about how this book came about. Okay. I was, it was a couple of years ago when um, we were just being talked, the Mexican American person and the Mexican person was, we, they were talking, they were saying a lot of ugly things about us uh, in the media. And I mean, just ugly things. And it was being repeated and repeated and everything that I saw on my Facebook feed and on the news, it just, it upset me. And then I was fighting with people on Facebook, which is so pointless. <laughs> but I was fighting and I was unfriending people. I was like, I don't want to be friends with anybody anymore. Like, I want my Facebook feed to be happy with just my like good people. So I was just taking everybody off. And I wanted, I wanted something to, I wanted to fight back these against these words that he was saying, 
words that every that other people were saying, even some of our own people were saying about us. And it just upset me. So I decided the only way I knew how to fight back other than like, I couldn't go and beat everybody up because against the law. And <laughs> I'm like five feet. So it's like, it's not even, but I was like, the way I was going to fight back, I wanted to fight back with words. And what I know best, I know books. And I remember being young and not having books like this about mm -hmm. Mexican-Americans. And then I remember when I was a teacher, I did, there wasn't a lot of books, anthologies, or even stories, collections of stories that we could read in class with our students that were relevant. So I remember the first person I thought of was Lupita. And I asked her, I was like, I have this idea. What do you think? And she was like, I think it's a wonderful idea. I was like, really? Like, you're just saying that because you're just not to me to me. And she was like, no, it's wonderful. Let's go ask everybody we know. So I did. I, I asked everybody we knew and, and some said yes, some said no. And we just kind of, you know, went on this journey and was, were able to put together this beautiful anthology, I think. Um, and I know it's, I, it's, you know, it says Margarita Longoria, but it is the most beautiful anthology, even if it wasn't <laughs> like mine. It, it's, I love it. There is it. I remember getting the stories and thinking like, I, I, I was like in a state of, shock every time I got a story because everything was beautiful and beautiful. and I was like, like there was nothing wrong with anything that I got and I was just so excited and so lucky and like it was all like happenstance everything happened you know I, I got an agent thanks to Lupita then I got a book deal then I got all these writers that were like let's do it and sending me this they're beautiful I mean, because to ask a writer to give a piece of something that they've done because basically what I did, they gave it to me. Like, because they don't pay, a lot. everybody thinks you become rich as writers. No. You don't. <laughs> you really, unless you're like JK Rowling or stuff like with a franchise, but no. Um, so basically, you know, we, to ask them to give a piece of their heart and their soul to, to put in this collection to give to our young people is basically what they all did. And I'm just so happy with the way it turned out. Like, awesome. I couldn't be happier. So I know all total, there's like 20 authors that are in there. And so we have um, five of y'all with us tonight. So I'm, I'm going to look at how you're showing up on the Facebook screen. And if you, I would like to call you and ask you to, to um, just tell us briefly what your story is about. Um, or maybe if you want to say how, why you got involved, just something that you can share a little bit about um, your part in all of this. So uh, the first across is um, David. So David, can you start us out? Yeah, totally. Um... I was super excited when when Margie reached out. Um, she had been talking to Lupita. Lupita had been like just like pushing her to do it, and so she was like, you know, I I, I want to do this. Would you be willing to participate? Who else should I be contacting? Here are some people that I'm thinking about, and I was like, yes, this is an awesome idea. Yes, listen to Lupita when she tells you to get an agent. You need to get an agent <laughs> um, uh, because this is some, something that you shouldn't just you shouldn't just accept like the bottom line you shouldn't accept the the basics you should go for the for the top for the big five at the time they're now they're big four we go for one of the big five let's try to get this book out into the hands of as many latinx readers and other readers as possible because it's important that, that this is a time um as she knew from the fights that she was having uh that we need to have this kind of thing but just in general um we need the public to look at 
the Mexican-American experience, Mexican-American lives, um, and see how varied they are, how joyful they are, how very human they are, and how the specifics of our lives can teach them like really valuable lessons. And, and, and one of those lessons is that we need to be included in the conversations that are being had in this nation, um, both about our, our own community and our future, but in general, just about the US, you know, uh, Latinx people make up 20% of the US population. And most of that is Mexican American. I mean, it, it's, it's, you know, it is definitely long overdue that people begin to take us seriously and treat us with dignity and respect. Um, and so, you know, it was a fabulous idea. And for the longest time, uh, I'd had a story, um, partly autobiographical, floating in the back of my mind that I wanted to tell um, that was it, in some way connected to like the fictional universe of the Garza twins, because it's kind of a quasi sequel to a short story about their father that was published in um, in the Juventud anthology that also some of you guys are in, that um, Rene Saldana um, uh, and Erika, um, uh, Johnson, Erika Garza Johnson um, was, were the editors for. Um, but it was one of those things that I was like, well, this is this is a book about our lives and she wants us to be positive and joyful, but I I, I want to do that, but I also want to like be real. And I, I want to talk about some of the, the struggles as well and give like this well-rounded um, vision of what it's like to be queer in, in the Valley and what, especially what it was like in like in the 80s um, during the AIDS epidemic. Uh, and there was an incident that happened, uh, my brother, Fernando discovered the dead body of a teacher who had been killed and, and, and thrown um, by a group of his lovers because he had AIDS and didn't tell them and continued to have encounters with them. Um, and they, they killed him and they dumped his body at the Ridge Road Canal. And my brother was, was the one who found it. And so it had made like this huge impression on me. And it was one of those things where like, if you're, if you were in the closet in the eighties and this stuff was coming out, like it scared the shit out. It, it was, it was horrifying. And so this is a story about a young man who's grappling with his, his own sexuality, sexuality, discovering that he's bisexual, but then this thing happens and his brother finds his body and, it, and he gets kind of like pushed back into the closet for a time. Um, and uh, it, it's, it was a way to highlight a lot of really interesting things about the Valley at a specific time, late 80s. Uh, and it, it's a story that's near and dear to my heart. And, and of course, Margie wasn't expecting anything like that. She was expecting another one of my like horror stories or science fiction or fantasy. And she gets the story and she's like, what? Oh my gosh. Just, I mean, she liked it, but it was, I think, a surprise for her that I would tell a story. Um, but I, I think it's, this is the kind of anthology where those deeply felt stories, those personal, mm -hmm. Um, stories about, you know, the complexities of living in this community uh, mattered. And so I really appreciated the opportunity to have a venue for that story. And um, it was, it, the process was great. The, she, there was a great editing team. Um, they had cultural experts, you know, sensitivity readers come in and, and look at the different stories and give us feedback. And I think overall, it, it, the team just crafted this a really incredible book. And I do kind of want to say as a coda before I like shut up, um, Margie says that it's, you know, that it just seems kind of like happenstance, but the reality is, as all of us know, and most of the people watching on Facebook probably know this as well, Margie has been working for a decade or more to, to promote literacy in, in the Rio Grande Valley, um, mm -hmm. to, to really build up 
the what it what can be you know what teens can discover here uh the board of book bash her efforts in her district and at her school um she's just you know the, the things that she does it with tla and there's all these other things she is some a champion of literacy a champion of mexican-american culture and, and how all these things kind of can come together in a really beautiful way and so I, I i i'm so happy about the success it's having because more people will know who margie is and she deserves that thank you so much yay great and and y'all can find david bowles all kinds of places online and in bookstores everywhere so you know check out um, his stuff and for anybody Anybody who's listening, if you want to add a comment, you know, I'll try to share the comments um, or a question if you've got anything that you want to ask of them. Okay, so going on my picture list here, next would be Daniel. So Daniel, tell us about your part in all of this. Thanks so much, Scott. I appreciate you having us and uh, hi to all the librarians out there. Yeah, I, I sincerely uh, think that librarians are you know the unsung heroes the superheroes uh, behind the scenes like if knowledge is power then i mean the librarians like you all are like you live in the justice league i mean headquarters right i mean you have all the all the books there and uh you know now i'm a poet and i sing and i just never shut up either but once upon a time i was a shy kid who pretty much like lived in the library you know uh, I've gone to high school reunions and people like not so quietly will be like, did he graduate with us? You know, uh, I mean, it's so uh, it's just kind of one of those things where and but the librarians like we're the only from educators back in, you know, our generation, a different generation, not too long ago, but still different. My, I don't know that any of my teachers ever asked me about college. I mean, I was a ninth grade flunky, um, you know, migrant, migrant farm worker and, and, uh, and so on. And, and, but the librarians were the only ones that just kind of like kept me sort of just kept me going. Um, so uh, my, you know, roundabout way of saying, uh, what, I'm a poet, right? So my poem is tiny. And so my conversation now is longer than the poem, right? <laughs> so, uh, my poet, uh, my poem actually, it, it's, it's very uh, real Randy Valley based. And I know the book is, uh, the anthology is, you know, Mexican-Americans from, from all over the U.S., uh, uh, all, all of the Southwest and, and not just Texas and not just the Valley. But my poem is about the real Grande Valley. And I know El Paso has a real Grande Valley, but that's different from ours. And, uh, and their enchiladas are different. And that's, that's good. It's a good thing. Mexico is a big place. Mexico is a huge place. There's a lot of diversity with even language, certainly with culinary, you know, differences. Um, and that's, that's the beauty of this whole thing is that my Mexican-American experience is, is different than the, even the Valley experience from El Paso, not to mention the New Mexico Rio Grande Valley that they have over there. Um, and so um, my poem is actually uh, sort of uh, inspired by Shakespeare, Richard II, He's got that uh, famous, like, uh, this royal throne of kings, this sceptered isle, this earth of majesty, uh, this seat of Mars. It's like his ode to, like, Great Britain, like this isle, right? And so I had the nerve to freaking, you know, write our own, you know, um, piece here uh, regarding, you know, the Rio Grande Valley. So um, Margie mentions in, in her introduction, you know, she let me know, like, hey, you know, 
send me send me uh, one of your pieces and uh, it was one of my brand newest pieces at the time um, and uh, and she talks you know in her introduction like how we are seeds and and it's a beautiful I think metaphor for, for this whole book and for Mexican Americans we are we are we are seeds uh, we're not weeds you know and although some of us maybe maybe have a little bit of weed in us you know uh, not in that way, uh, but we're beautiful flowers too. You know, we flower, we're flowering, we're empowering, um, and we're everywhere. And the border, you know, crossed us. There's some Spaniards that have been in the valley since the 1500s. They never moved, and now all of a sudden they're Texans, and later, and all of a sudden they never moved, but now they're Mexicans, and not, now they're now they're Americans, and so on. And and then people are asking us to, you know change our change our ways and change our language and change our customs and stuff like that. Mexican Americanness is is a beautiful thing. It's a diverse thing and I'm just very happy to, you know, be part of this anthology. Thanks for having me, Doc. Yeah. Nope. Awesome. So those of you who are just joining, we are um, looking at the book Living Beyond Borders. Margie, you want to hold it up again real quick? Um, Margie's the editor of this book, and we've got five of the authors here tonight. And I was just letting each one of them tell us a little bit of their story so we know how, how they're a part of that. So next in the box is Javier. Hello, everybody. Uh, well, when you when, uh, you know, first of all, when Margie, uh, when I got the, the talk to Margie about being part of the anthology, I mean, I was thrilled because Margie, a library like her, librarians like her, I mean, they're the big promoters of literature in the Valley. You know, I, I always tell people that the Valley has a rich history of literature. You know, it's the home of Americo Paredes, Gloria Saldua, Jovita Gonzalez, all these really, truly big names that, that I'll be honest, when I was in, in high school, I, was, I didn't know about, I didn't know that much. I mean, they was never even mentioned. In the, even in art, I never heard of Cesar Martinez, Carmen Romas Garza, you know, Luis Jimenez, but it was when I was in college that I began to learn about all this stuff, and, which is why, you know, that like what Margie's doing is she's bringing it to, to the high school, to the junior high, to the elementary, so that people are aware. Like, you know, I tell people the Valley has a rich history of literature. You know, writing is it's in, the, in, the, in the veins of the Rio Grande Valley. And uh, so when she asked me to be a part of it, I was thrilled. I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I would love to. And I sent her some stories, but then, then she told me, goes, yeah, but what I want, what I actually want is a little bit different. She said, I want your story, but I want it to look like a comic book, like a graphic novel type of thing. And so, <clears throat> so I was like, whoa, okay. Yeah, I've always wanted to do that. I've always <laughs> wanted to do that. And so, what I did is I went and I took a poem that I had written a long time ago. And it's a poem, but it's just like little bit. It's See, I grew up with storytelling. I tell people, storytelling is how I came into literature. And it was a poem I had written a while back. And it's just little bits and pieces of experiences growing up. And it says, tell me a story. Dime un cuento. And it goes on about a kid just saying, tell me a story. Dime un cuento. It can be a long one. It can be a short one. It can be a brand new one or a favorite old one. You can tell me a cuento about how Chupacabras is waiting to make me its next victim or, or, or how grandma and grandpa would dance merengue and like all these different stories. And it ends with just, but you know, but you know what, instead of just telling a story in English, tell it to me in Spanish, tell it to me, give me the best of both word, word, worlds, make it be a bilingual story. So that's when I started doing the illustrations and 
And, uh, and I really liked the way they came out. And I showed them to Mario. That's when I thought, you know what? I have another story that I came up with. And it was real short. It's just, it was just like just four lines like, about La Llorona. And it just said, La Llorona, La Llorona isn't real. La Llorona no existe. You know, that, kid, that kid's like, but it's a little kid trying to convince himself that the story isn't real. And the words are, are kind of contradicted by the images that you see. And, and it was a lot of fun. And, and to me, what makes a book like this so special, like, you know, a book like this is that it's one of those books, people say, oh, uh, kids should be able to see themselves in their books. This is a book that yes, kids can see themselves in the stories that are there. But more than that, I grew up in El Valle. Kids from the Valley, from the Rio Grande Valley can read this book and they will literally see themselves in these stories. They take places in, you know, they take place in, you know, like McAllen, Westlaco, Mercedes, Donna, and they go like, I know where that is. And it makes it real. It makes it very real for them. And more than just making it real, it tells them, you know what? If this people here can do this, I can do it too. And it's like, a, and it hopefully inspires them to keep this tradition of El Valle. Because I, like I said at the beginning, the Valley is, has a rich history of literature. People need to hear it. People need to you know, be inspired by it and keep it going. And uh, to me, that's like one of the really, truly great things of this book. And what Margie did, it was beautiful. But like I said, she's been doing this since before the book, you know, with her, with the, you know, the book festival that she put, which was one of the best book festivals I've ever been to. I love that postcard, that, that, that badge with the big blue title. No classic. <laughs> and so, uh, so, you know, they, I mean, they're, uh, to me, she's a hero. She's a hero who, you know, put this together, this really, truly beautiful book that I think will really, truly inspire and change uh, the mindsets of a lot of kids in a good way. And because y'all stories are giving them something to be proud of, you know, a lot of times you'll see things about the valley and those who are listening who aren't from here, we're talking about where Mexico and Texas and the ocean meet, you know, that's how I kind of describe, you know, where we live. Um, and y'all, y'all are making it awesome stories. And so Ruben, you go ahead and continue on you and thanks too for showing the, the what that graphic novel part of it looked like um, when, when he, Javier was talking, but Ruben, go ahead. Hello everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, and thank you, Margie, for putting together such a beautiful book and allowing me to be, to play some small part in it. Um, so let me see, my Margie's story, I think, I think we were on texting, on a texting basis at that point. Uh, we'd done a couple of, I've, I'd been at the Border Book Bash a few times. I had my first book come out. Uh, Margie was one of the first people to, to read it and love it. Because uh, it is, it is, uh, you know, I know we're, we're talking about Mexican Americans, uh, you know, the, the, the diaspora, the broad experience across the US, but uh, my book is a very much a, a Puro RGV, Puro 956 book, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, Margie is definitely a proponent of all things RGV. Um, and so uh, the book came out, my first book came out, you know, it got some acclaim, got some put on some lists and stuff. And then Margie, uh, like I said, had read it um, and, you know, written a review of it. And then she, she said, I, I, can you send me a story? I'm, I'm putting together this anthology 
Um, and I think the, the thing, the one thing that stuck out was like, we, we, want, we want it to be positive, right? That's what you mentioned. Um, and I was like, Rosie, uh, through uh, Margie, I said, did you, did you read my book? Because <laughs> it's, it's tragic. I mean, there's funny elements, but you know, there, there's, there's, it's, it's about gang life. It's about lost love, first loss, all these other things. And it just says, yeah, like I want it to be positive. I said, okay. So then I thought about it and I thought about it. I said, okay, well, I think I can do that. And, 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 you know, one of the big things that uh, reasons I came on board was I, I agreed with the mission of, of this anthology was to tell great stories, positive stories to put our gente in a, in a very positive light. And, and just like, like, uh, like David said earlier, you know, 20% of the, of our gente live across the United States. Majority of us are Mexican American, but when you look at all the books that are out there right now, we, I, I mean, if you, if you pare down the, the, the Latinx, Hispanic demographic, and you look at the books that are actually Mexican American, they're, they're much, it's a much smaller, much smaller mix because I mean, I, I can go into that, but anyway, um, so there wasn't a lot of books like this. I hadn't seen any uh, from my experience. So there's a story, there's a true story, true thing uh, that this, my story is based on is, uh, is um, La Princesa Melady Dominguez. So in San Benito, the, the, at uh, the Veterans Memorial Academy, the ninth grade campus, the principal, and I wanna say the, the parent and family engagement coordinator, every year uh, they do a, a, a quinceanera for all the girls. Uh, for girls that cannot, because as y'all know, quinceaneras can run thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they, they're very expensive, but it's, it's a big part of our culture. So what this principal does is, you know, he gets, he gets dress madrinas, he gets uh, uh, people to do the food. He gets, uh, the, it's a big community event. They come together, madrinas donate or give <coughs> dresses out. They get hairstylists, professionals in there and they, and they do a big deal and they have a, they have a, a big mass quinceanera in the gym. And, and um, I, I watched a video about that and one, and the girls are being interviewed and, and one of the girls just broke down uh, crying. You can, you can YouTube it. You know, she, her, her voice broke as she was talking about what this quinceanera meant to her, that, that she was actually going to have a quinceanera. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's, that's my story. That's my story right there. Um, and so I, uh, I wrote this story about, about uh, this young lady, Milady Dominguez, and it's from her voice. And what I've heard from uh, a lot of people is they don't believe I actually wrote it <laughs> uh, because, because I, it is through her voice, the, the, girl, the young lady is the narrator. Um, and I, what, what I tell them is, you know what? I watched way more makeup tutorial videos on YouTube than I ever thought I would watch. <laughs> So a, a good writer does their resource, does their research. And man, I was like a glam palette, que esto, and all these yeah. other things. Uh, so I, I, you know, I can talk a good game as far as, as makeup and dresses. And I, I got on quinceanera websites and, and I started looking at dresses and all these other things. But you do your research, right? Because this, this young lady, this homeless girl, she just spoke to me and, and this story spoke to me. And so I said it in my uh, fictional town of uh, Dennett or uh, Danette, which is named after my, uh, my maternal great-grandfather. It, it's my All-Valley City. Like, if I want any story, I have this one city. If, you know, if it, I don't care if it took place in McAllen, Mission, wherever, this one city has it all. So that's, that's what I ended up doing.
Awesome. Well, thank you, Ruben. That's good. Okay, and, and our final author tonight is, is Lupita. So if you want to go ahead and share with us, um, you're part of all of this. Well, first of all, I love Margie. She <laughs> is one of my favorite people in the whole wide world. I mean, I heart Margie. Let's face it. <laughs> she is adorable. She is enthusiastic. She's full of life and full of love for her community. And I cannot express to you how endearing that is when you're out there and you are the only person that you know like you who cares about literature, who cares about good books. And so when I was little, that I was that person. And so when I came into this community and I met David and I met Javier and I met Margie, I was like, these are my peeps. <laughs> and so when she came to me and she said that she wanted to do this great thing, um, but she didn't know if it was something that should be done. I was like, are you kidding me? This, we have to do this. And she said, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know where to start. And I said, you start by getting a poem from me. And she kind of gave me a funny look and I said, I give you a poem and then you go to other friends and you say, hey, Lupita's in and she gave me a poem. Are you in? And I said, and you just kind of start thinking about who to ask and get everybody riled up. So we Mexicanos, that's what we do, right? <laughs> <laughs> we gather we we're we're like solidarity is our thing and so it became this thing that she just ran with it and all I had to do was give her that first poem and she ran with it so really this is her spirit her heart in this book her enthusiasm I love that about her uh, <laughs> all the cool cats are in it. Yes, David, they are. <laughs> and um, so I, I really was very happy to help her in, uh, in, in many ways as I could and to help her also try to get an agent because I thought that was really important that if she was going to do this, that she should reach, like David said, for the top to go and do it and do it right because our community deserves it. And she, with her heart, could get this done. And um, so when I send her my poem, I send her Ode to My Papi because I wanted to show that the things that are being said about us, about how we are rapists and murderers and all these other horrible things are not true. My father came to this country at the age of 15 as a as a ranch hand, as somebody who just would wrestle cattle and things like that. And he told himself, I will make a life here. I will become a carpenter. And it was like something he just predestined for himself. And he even said, I could be a carpenter. And so it was that faith in himself and faith in the United States and faith that that this was a place that he could make a good life and that his children could make a good life. And so my poem really celebrates not just the immigrant experience, but it celebrates the love that he brought to this country and how he helped build this country. He worked in almost every town, Houston, Dallas. He even went as far as going to Colorado and other states. 
he worked with his bare hands to create this country. And I wanted to honor that because at that time, my father was 79 years old and he was in a, in a home. And I thought, wouldn't it be lovely if he saw himself and he saw that I wrote about this beautiful thing he did because with those dollars, those little, those little pieces of paper, he bought books for me. And those books that he bought for me made me who I am. But not just the books, it was the spirit that came from those books, the hard work that came from those, from those little pieces of paper that are money. And so he gave me the universe, right? And that's what we are as a comunidad. We, we want the best for our children and we are willing to work hard for it. And I wanted to celebrate that. Unfortunately, my father passed away during the pandemic and I had to write a, um, a memor in memory of, and that was hard. But at the same time, I know that he lives in that book and the spirit of who we are in him is represented in this book. And so I'm very proud um, to be part of this anthology. And I'm also very proud of all the other stories that tell about our heart, right? Our corazón, our comunidad, our solidarity. Beautiful, very beautiful. I always, I mean, cause I honestly, this book, I, I would have copied it on the copy machine and passed it up cause it would not have happened if it wasn't for Lupita really. Because she, she really did like believe that I could like in my head, it was something, you know, cause I, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm not a young girl anymore, but I still have a young girl's mind and I'm still kind of like silly and stuff. So in my head, this is just like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to do this and I'm going to like, I'm gonna, I mean, I really didn't think as big as, as this. And, um, and Lupita was like, no ma'am, like we're going to do something with this. So, and if it wasn't for her, like I, I just wouldn't be here without Lupita. So without her like just believing in me that I could do something mm -hmm. this amazing. Yeah. So Margie, talk real quick, like your intended audience age. Is it, I, I think secondary when I think of it, but like, it is secondary. Um, I wanted it cause I'm a young adult librarian and I taught eighth grade. And so um, that's who I wanted it for. I wanted it for this, for, the, for our young adults. Cause I feel that there isn't enough for our young adults in the world, because I feel that we have a lot of stuff in elementary schools. We push reading a lot. And in the junior highs and high school, we kind of lose them. So I feel it's important to have great books in the junior highs and the high schools because that's how you can get, that's the only way we're going to get them back to read in the libraries is through great books. So it's intended for, for yeah, for the, a, a little bit older, the groups, um, eight through 12, but, mm -hmm. um, and for adults, it's really for everybody. Of course, there's some like, um, it's probably not really good for elementary kids, but um, eight, but junior high and high school, it's, it's that's what I, that, that's my heart right there, junior high and high school kids. And David, I know you work with college age um, people. Is that you picture this too as in college? Absolutely. But I mean, but especially in um, classes that are like teacher preparation classes. So mm -hmm. I'm the coordinator of the English education uh, program at UTRGB, and it's you know, we're already using it um, in in our classes. Uh, I think that this is yeah, the semester um, we've got Dr. Amy Cummins using it in her. 30 through 37 class, which is a course on children's and young adult literature and mm -hmm. definitely stories will be excerpted and, and is from what I understand, 
there are at least two or three other universities that are already using this. And I would imagine that there are more. And as word gets out, um, it'll become just a, a regular text because anthologies like this are important. You know, when you're, when you're trying to teach adolescent literature to would-be um, teachers, having an anthology that you can pull poems or short stories from is really, really very, very uh, useful. So. Yeah, and I know um, Margie had selected all of y'all because you are from an education background. So kind of speak from that voice for a minute. Go ahead. I, I would like to say that I feel like this is a book that could be read even in elementary. I can see fourth and fifth and sixth graders reading excerpts from it. Okay. Um, very much like we did with House on Mango Street. When I used to teach sixth grade, I read some of those stories. Of course, I wasn't going to read all of them because they were not age appropriate, but I definitely see some of these stories being able to be used at the elementary level and then some in the middle school. And then there are some that can be studied in high school. So it's, it's a great anthology because it fits so many layers of um, educational systems there. Yeah. And the thematic interconnectedness of the pieces make it like perfect for paired readings and things like that. So, um, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of value in, in that and the, the multi-genre, multimedia aspect of it as well, being able to have poetry alongside, alongside graphica, alongside, you know, more traditional short stories, and then also essays. It's, it's really, you know, teachers are always looking for resources that cut across all those different um, uh, styles and, and genres. And so, I mean, I, I think this is, it, it lends itself to that kind of pedagogical work. And also just the multi-generational opportunities for closing up with that, you know, with a little bit of coffee and pan dulce. And uh, because, you know, the grandma is going to see herself in here. And and the and the aunt and the and the and the kids too, and then there's the multimodality of, of like Javier's comics, you know, so accessible, uh, the visuals and the bilingual aspect of the piece, for example. So there's that definitely some something there for the younger ages in that sense as well, um, where it's it's uh, both visual as well as you know, like I said, Spanish English, and so um, then you know, teachers can say, oh, let's you know. Now here's the prompt, like, or here's an example. Like now, y'all can create your own, your own visuals, your own comic type of graphic, you know, graphic novel or comic book type style, that sort of thing. So yeah, there is definitely that, and, and also just the for the uh, advanced grades as well. I mean, even for like um, advanced placement or college, you know, classes like pre-service teachers are learning about it. I mean, there's so many poetic. Uh, uh, Poetic devices used by you know most of y'all are poets as well as you know fiction writers and so some of these most of these are stories and yet there's so much so many poetic twists and and so so there's that uh, even advanced placement type classes or high school classes there's the larger discussion of uh, really like the nitpicking like the beautiful um, uh, literary devices used you know as tools by these by these amazing writers. Another thing I wanted to say that I think that this could very well be, now that you mentioned the intergenerational thing, a community read. I envision it as something that can be read by an entire community through a public library system. I think it would be a wonderful. Yeah, and, which is why NEA choosing it as one of their, um, what, what, tell them about it, Margie, tell them everybody about the NEA, yeah. 
NEA chose it to be part of the Read Across America for this school year. So that was super, like, I was so excited when I saw that because, I mean, we celebrate Read Across America. I mean, as I was a reading teacher, an English teacher, so, you know, we English, ELA people know all about Read Across America. So that was, and they even have, like, on their website, a little part, like, where it has, like, discussion questions and, like, questions that teachers can, like, ask their, their students while they read this book so I was like so excited about that I was that was that was fun I was just going to add um I I really do hope teachers read this I hope counselors read it um and and, and what I like in my I can speak to my work what I tried to do is is give educators a roadmap I mean embedded in the story is the roadmap of how to work with kids that are are you know quote unquote homeless and and kids that are kids that are marginalized kids that are have experienced trauma i mean there's some sel uh, stuff in there social emotional learning stuff that I, I tried to embed in there and then the other thing i wanted to do was you know we read stories about bad teachers bad principals all the time i mean they're they're out there i wanted to like show what a good principal looks like what a good teacher looks like what what what, because, uh, because I mean, there's so many amazing educators in our area across the state that are doing stuff like that. So I just wanted to highlight that and show teachers like this is how you do it. You have student ambassadors. You have somebody who sits down with a student and interviews them. You have programs that that meet their needs. Things like that. I wanted to really give them something to do, and hopefully, some pre-service teacher, idealistic pre-service teacher is going to pick this up and say, you know what, this is what a school should look like. And, and you know, none of our schools are perfect, right? But I wanted to show a school that like, they, they've got some good things figured out. I was really excited because last week, um, the librarian in Roma ISD, she, uh, Lamar, she, she bought the book for every one of her English teachers. She gave it to them as a gift for Hispanic Heritage Month. And I was like, so like, I, I the, the picture was so beautiful. It was all of them holding the book and I was so excited. And then I was like, okay, so I'm going to go on their website. And I'm going to look for all the teachers and I'm going to start like emailing them. Like, what did you think I'll creep? What did you think about this? Because I haven't talked to an English teacher yet about what they, and as an English teacher, and as the, like, I really want to know like what, what they, how they felt and what they feel about it and how they would think that they could use it. I know, yes, I'm total soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, you don't know me, but <laughs> all creep. But I was that made I was so happy, so happy that, that these English teachers were going to read this book and that I can talk to them because I'm an English teacher too. I'm not that creepy. <laughs> I'm an English teacher too. Yeah, yeah, it was nice. Margie, is there any? Is there any um? plans to create lesson plans for teachers? Yes, um, I know that uh, Penguin, Penguin's doing some, but I have a, I kind of, me and Trinidad, um, Trinidad he's a, he wanted to do, he asked me about it and I told him, yes, like if, like, that's, and he wanted to do some kind of lessons for it or something with his, like, and, and so I, was, I wanted to, I do, I want to create some, if they don't create some, I can create some because I used to do that back whenever I used to teach because they didn't have like I wanted to read like Twilight and there was no lesson plan for Twilight so I had to come up with my own. There was nothing for Hunger Games at the time the Hunger Games came out. I read it the first I wanted it right now 
So I had to create them all myself. So I want, I would like to do that. Yes. I think there you have none. an excellent list of resources here. Yes. I know. Can help, right? <laughs> I know I'd be willing to help. Yeah. And, and the book, uh, the book itself, I, like we're building on what Lupe said, it lends itself to interpret like, like elementary. I mean, even remember you mentioned House of Mango Street, they took the chapter called Pelitos and they made it into a picture book for children. So it's like, it's, it's, uh, it, 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 it's, it's, uh, uh, despite even, even the, with the stories as great as they are, they're versatile. It's a versatile book. You know, educators can take it and they can, you know, use it to, to, you know, inspire the kids. And that's so exciting to me because I, I remember reading books. Um, I read House of Mango Street with my kids and I read um, hard, can like what Viola Canales, hard candy slices, and what, what I could find at the time. And um, there wasn't really a lot. And I, and of course, Dr. Saldana's Jumping Tree, and we um, also David Rice. We read, we read what we read who was there, what was out at the time that I was reading, that I was teaching. And so I, when I was thinking about this, I thought like an anthology because I remember having, the, you know, having a hard time finding the resources that I wanted. And I was hoping that this would be, you know, that they could use this. And to see that it is being used in places, it makes me so, like, so, 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 really exciting. Yeah. We have had somebody asking a question, you know, about other kind of resources that you, you might recommend. I'm not aware of any book like yours. Um, I think yours is very unique in this, but are there other kinds of resources or books that you would recommend? By Mexican American writers, um, I'm going to interpret it that way. Yes, sure. Well, everybody's book here right. has Everybody. a novel in verse. Um, her first book, it's a novel in verse, and it's a, it's so it's a very it's a quick read because it's and it's beautiful. That that's a good one. Um, we have David's also because his or um, his the one that he just came out. Wero, they call me Wero. His is also. Um, another resource everybody's really um who else i would say is is juventude still in in uh publication as far as i know it's still in print yeah yeah it's I still mean, in print I, yeah edward edward if i mean he's as far as i know it's still being handled now by through flower song and edward yeah. would be that still that's one i would recommend because i mean that was uh when did that come out? Like 2013, maybe something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, it's a good, it's a good collection. I, I still recommend it, and people still talk about it. So I would recommend. Who? Yeah, and that, that's also got. That's got Daniel is in it. Javier is in it. Guadalupe mm -hmm. is in it. Lupita is in it. Right. It's a gateway book. Yeah. Like everybody's name on the on the book is somebody really amazing okay. to to look at, really because. Yeah. Like I was even thinking, um, like Dr. Saldana, even with his first book, um, The Dumping Cheek, he was one of the first to get a, a Mexican American from the Valley yeah. to get a, a deal with, with Rand. Remember you, whenever he got his deal with Random House years ago, like that was like almost, it was, I mean, it was a long time ago. And his book still stands the test of time. My kids, it was, they loved it. Even it was already, the book was already out for a while and they still loved it. They loved that they could see foys because they were from mission. They were from mission. So, and, and Dr. Saldana was from La Jolla. So it was this area. 
And so they could, they knew exactly where he was and what it, he loved it. And I yeah. think most kids, my son loved it. My son, like he loved Dr. Saldana's book too. So that's also a good one. Yeah, Rene and David Rice, they both like really, um, ew, look, where's, where's throw? You have a copy of throw? You should, you should got throw. that somewhere. You should throw, throw up. Where's my throw? Uh, yeah. That one. Throw too. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, so I mean, from there's been some trailblazers in the 2000, early 2000s, um, you know, Brene, um, David Rice, Esta, you mentioned her before. Viola Canales. Canales. Viola, yeah. Um, so there, I mean, there, there's some really good stuff out there, but now there's just like this, you know, a huge number of, of great books. You've got Efren Divided. Uh, which um, uh, is going to be coming out in the Spanish yes. translation by translated by somebody that y'all know. Um, and uh, <laughs> there's Matt Mendez's book, You Never Go Home. Um, oh, I have just so much good yes. stuff. Yeah. We're very lucky that there's, there's, there's a lot more now. And mm -hmm. it's very exciting to see. I get really excited whenever I see a new book by, by Mexican American. It makes me very happy. And I know like, and, I just I can't even explain how excited I get whenever I see a book by another Mex by the Mexican American. Yeah, literally oh, just go through the table of contents of this anthology and buy all the books by every person. Yes. Yeah. I, I just wanted to know if it was okay to share something I just opened. Sure. Ah! Oh yeah, the keeper. <laughs> this book is really great. You guys are. It's it's lovely. It's great. Talk about. The, the variety of Mexican American experiences, you know, this is, you know, a story about kids who are, who have a Mexican American parent and a non-Mexican American and non-Latino parent. And um, that type of Mexican American identity, which is like an, an additional mestizaje, um, right. which I think is really great. I and mean, that's the, that's the way I grew up. So, um, you know, and it's, and it's just, and it's a great thriller. It's kind of like, um, like a middle grade, uh, what what did I say? What did I call it? A middle grade um, wicker man. <laughs> and what's awesome is that it's so different from what like her first book, like oh, so yeah. different. Yeah. So like yeah, people people the, don't know like just how versatile Guadalupe is. It's the stuff she can write, and how and she writes some scary scary horror. You see her Paula Inocente and her her books about family and. and <laughs> And she writes some scary cuckoo stories, man. Javier is gonna be scared out of his pants when he reads. He's gonna be like, "This one's for you, Javier." It's all good. It let chusas. I mean, she's she threw it all in there. I mean, I mean, we should have known from the summer of the mariposas because there's yeah. some scary stuff in there. That was amazing. That book's amazing. That was a really amazing book. I I get inspired when I see other people like when you wrote all your Yorona stories, Javier, that was so much fun. I love reading your stuff. Uh, the mesquite uh, tree, that one. I mean, it's one of those that when I read it, it got me, a, especially the poem about family, remember, it yeah. just it, it gets to you. Anybody who reads that doesn't get teary, a little teary-eyed. It's like it's just it's a really great book. And like with David, when I I told David when when I when I got my copy of Wedo, I told David he goes, dude, this thing is really 
really gonna do really really good <laughs> and i was like oh i hope so and he was like one i just you, you get a feeling when you, there's a book certain books that you read yeah that you finish reading you just have that feeling like this is really good yeah it's like so i you know i i had ruben ruben's story got into the uh, along the river anthology back in the day remember mm -hmm. that back in like 20 was it 2011 2012 weren't you in, weren't you in one of those anthologies ruben which one, one? Weren't you in one of the Along the River anthologies? I don't think I made that or, one. Or was it? Or were it? Was it from? Or were you? Are you in Juventus? I was I in Juventus. You're in Juventus. So yeah. So that's right. Yeah, I couldn't remember which of the anthologies you were in. So I remember re reading uh, uh, your story in in Juventus and like just blown away by it. And then when I read through, I was like, ah, this dude, he's gonna like somebody, <laughs> somebody important is gonna read this book and they're gonna be like, oh, snatch this guy up because it's really good. And I mean, it's just so much talent down here. So much talent in our community. Mm -hmm. um, and this anthology just showcases it in a beautiful way. So I'm excited about other people getting introduced to our work who are not familiar with Mexican-American authors as well. And, and going, wow, the, really? I didn't even know that this was going on. What do you, where, where have you been hiding? We're like, no, we haven't been hiding. We've just been kind of pushed to the margins, but we're here. here. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so for any of the educators that are listening, if they want to reach out to you, um, talk, connect with you, you know, with their class or something, or, you know, a virtual author visit, or maybe in person, tell us real quickly, where, where can they find you? How can they reach you? Most of us have websites. So like mine is davidbowles.us and I have a tab for appearances that will loop you into the author village that represents me and, and we can set something up. Yeah. Okay. And me, the, I mean, I'm on Twitter under Charo Close, so they can just email me directly. My email is easy. It's just my name with an X, Javier Garza at hotmail.com. That's how long I've had that email. Hotmail.com. <laughs> at least it's not Yahoo. Who's got a Yahoo? I bet Daniel. I think Dr. Saldana, I think so, has a Yahoo. Because I was like, are you kidding me? Is this still Yahoo? Oh, well. He's still got his, like, he's still got his, what do you call it? AOL. He still has a pager and an AOL account. They fought getting a real cell phone for a while. I remember he fought it like he said. He said, uh, I remember one time he told us, you know, me and you, we're, we're, we're our phone, our phones are play J. Remember, like, we're, we're old school. I said, Renee, I got an iPhone. <laughs> He's such a Luddite. <laughs> I got an iPhone. I like to watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, on my website is just a form and you fill it out and you send it in. You just put your letter in there if you want to reach me. And is it your full name? Is that what they're going to look for online? Yes, GuadalupeGarciaMacall.com. Okay. I put mine in the chat, RubenDegoyala.com. Okay. I'm at, uh, at Poet Mariachi uh, in all social media. And uh, if you just can't find me, just find this book, find the editor and contributor, find Margie, and, and she will find me. Yeah, annoy her. I can, I can find everybody. And I'm at MargiesMustries.com. And Margie's Mysteries at gmail.com. Margie's Mysteries everywhere on Instagram too. Awesome. All right. So just as we're drawing to a close, is there anybody that has any like parting words that they want to share with everybody? Anything you're just dying to say to people? Well, we're coming to the end of, of you know, Latino Hispanic uh, Heritage Month, but I, I just want to encourage people to, to always keep, you know, 
diverse, inclusive literature from all communities, uh, all ethnic groups across this country um, in your classroom, in your classroom library, in your, in your, in your school libraries and in front of children. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to have the spotlight on us for a month, but uh, these stories need to be in your, in, in the queue all the time. Um, and not just during African-American, uh, you know, History Month or Latinx Heritage Month or whatever, like, but just all the time. So keep that in mind. Good point. Anybody else? Concur. And just Thank you for and, joining and for listening. And we have, we definitely have a, a great, you know, a history in the Valley of uh, writers from at least the 1800s that we know of. Uh, but, but also, you know, it's important to teach living writers as well. Bringing us, bringing us in, bring us in through Zoom, bring us into your libraries, bring, bring us in person. Um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll pen pal with your students, whatever, whatever, you know, to, uh, to teach living writers is, is important because they need to see themselves in our stories and our poetry, but also see that we're, you know, we're uh, regular humans too. And, and they can do, they can, they can become writers too. We want to inspire. Good point. Amen. I just want to say this is going to become a classic, so you want to get a first edition. <laughs> That's a good point. It comes out in Spanish in January, mm -hmm. and then I was told just yesterday the paperback comes out in May. So don't wait for the paperback. You want the you want the hardback because after that, yeah, there's no more hardback, right? It's just paperback. Not always. Is there an audio book coming out? Is there going to be an yes. audio version? There's going to be an audio book too. Oh wow! I don't know when that—that's that, what I'm looking forward to. With like a single reader, James Earl I'm Jones. Sure. I'm not sure what it's going to be because they don't tell me, but there is going to be one. Yeah, I, sus I suspect they'll have multiple readers, or like so when there's a a, a, a female a female POV, they'll, okay. they'll have it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and what's going to be exciting also is to see what Margie does. What Margie does next. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Awesome. I can't wait to read Margie's first novel. That's what I want. Yeah. Yes. No pressure. No pressure. <laughs> I, I picture it with all of your your book crushes, since you have a lot of book crushes, and all those characters are going to come in. <laughs> be thinly veiled, thinly veiled uh, versions <laughs> of these other characters. <laughs> but just thank thanks all of you for joining tonight, and Margie, thanks for gathering people together, and um, it's just. It's an honor, you know, to, to talk to y'all and just to know the, the great things that you're doing uh, just in the literary world. And just thank you so much for, for all that you're doing for our kids and for their families. It's a, a wonderful thing. So appreciate your time and hope you have a great evening. And maybe we'll meet again sometime. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Good luck.